Welcome to South Point. Again, my name's Tanner. I'm on staff here. Glad that you have joined us. And if you are brand new with us uh, today, uh, really why we exist, and we say this uh, almost every week, we, we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. Uh, we believe that that can happen uh, inside a room like this or while watching a service, but it also happens in, in many other ways. Uh, this is why so oftentimes that you will hear us talking about going and sharing God's love uh, with others beyond these walls uh, right here. And if you do c come to a new here, for example, like we just heard on the announcements, uh, that you will hear us talk about our community partnerships. And this is what we, when we talk about this, we talk about uh, building relationships with people and organizations in the community who are already doing great work. Uh, rather than reinvent the wheel, uh, we want to partner with them, help them do what they do uh, even better, and, uh, and we do what we can. So we go oftentimes and serve with them, uh, like we're, ta we're talking about here with Operation Stand Down. Uh, but we also uh, are able to, to sometimes welcome them into our building and our space here to be able to, to use it uh, to, to help them out. For example, uh, you know, just a, uh, a couple months ago now, it's, this was in February, there was a group that came and used this space right here uh, that is called Rhode Island uh, Critical Incident Stress Management. And uh, this is a group that actually helps uh, first responders. Uh, you can think of people in uniform, uh, whether this be firefighters or, or nurses or, uh, or law enforcement, uh, help them navigate some of the stresses that they have in their life. And they provide peer support and training to, to them. Uh, and so I say all of that to say that when we talk about this building, we view the building also as a tool to be able to share God's love with, uh, with other people as well. So uh, we have this building workday coming up, but this is all part of a bigger plan. And if you're here in person, you see this, you notice that there's like work being done out front. If you take a, a look through the back there, you will see that there's work being done out there. And that's, that's really to develop a courtyard and more space for people to be able to use, both inside the church and if groups uh, come outside the church and use the space, uh, that they can use this space uh, in any way that they would like as well. It will be beneficial to them. So we're excited about the workday, excited about what's coming up. And, uh, and we, we are blessed with a, a really incredible building. So we, we want to, to use it to the best of our ability to help as many people come to Jesus and experience God's unconditional love as possible. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a, uh, a prayer, and we are going to dive into the message today. So God, we, we love you. Uh, I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, for you to, to speak to us right where we are, uh, each of us individually, over these next several minutes as we open up Scripture. And, uh, and God, we, we know that we need you. We, we declare this. We sing about this. And God, I pray that this is uh, also evident as we talk through uh, scripture today. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, so right now, what we are doing, we're spending a, a whole year looking at one of the biographies about Jesus uh, called John, named after the author John. Uh, we are at the, actually at the very end of the book. We're going to go back later to the, to the beginning of the book, but right now we're at the end. We're looking at these uh, four scenes after the resurrection of Jesus, where Jesus actually appears to people after he has been raised from the dead. Each of these instances actually changes lives, so we're calling this series, we've called this series, Because of Jesus, I. Because of Jesus, I. We're building on this foundation that Jesus changes life, that he does change everything like we just sang about. Today, what we're looking at, the story that we're looking at, because of Jesus, 
I approach God with freedom and confidence. Because of Jesus, I approach God with freedom and confidence. So we're going to read this story from the book of John, like I said, that takes place right at the very end of it. Uh, but then what we're going to do is we're actually going to go back and read parts of a, a very similar story that was from the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus as well. So first we'll start with the, the story of John uh, in, in John chapter 21 as well. You can read it in your Bibles. If you have your Bible, you're watching at home or, uh, or here, or you can, you can view it on the screen if you're in person here. So, so afterward, uh, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. He was by the Sea of Galilee. Now, it happened this way. Here's what happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, uh, the sons of Zebedee. When he talks about the sons of Zebedee, John is actually writing about himself and his brother and two other disciples, they were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. Uh, so this is just, again, just a normal day, normal circumstances. They're going about their work and about their business. So they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? I always wonder, do you think that they thought that he was taunting them? Like they're just going this whole night doing this, fishing and nothing. He, and no, they answered. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. Now, I mean, you think about spending your whole night doing something and someone says, oh, yeah, just by the way, throw the fisher on the other side of the boat. Not exactly what you think is great advice, but here's what they did. When they did this, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is, again, John referring to himself. He just saw himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boats, towing the net full of fish. I wonder if they were like, okay, Peter, you're just slacking. You know, we're, you're swimming to Jesus. We all want to be there. We have this boat. But they pull this fish, uh, this boat full of fish to Jesus. They were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Now, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish. There were 153 of them. But even so, uh, even with so many, the nets were not torn. Now Jesus said to them, one of my favorite lines of Jesus, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples asked him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Now Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. All right, so we are going to, we see this miracle here of Simon Peter going out to fish, the other disciples going with him. They spend their whole night fishing. They catch absolutely nothing. Jesus gives them one simple piece of advice. They say, okay, we do it. And then they, have, they catch so many fish that the 153 large fish that, they're, that is like filling their nets. This is very similar, and if you're a Jesus follower, you may say something like, well, you know what, it seems like I've heard of another story very similar to that. Yeah, that's because in the book of Luke, there is a very similar story to this, where Jesus does the same basic thing, same basic miracle to Peter, right when he calls Peter, right when he says, Peter, come follow me, 
at the very, very beginning of his ministry. The thing is that there is a very different reaction from Peter. Uh, so we'll, we'll go, what we're going to do is we're going to compare and contrast these two, uh, these two stories here. Peter, in his very first interaction with Jesus, and when he sees this happen, he, his reaction is, well, Jesus, depart from me. Go away from me. I, I'm, I'm sinful. I, I can't even stand in your presence. And here we see at the very end of his ministry what he does. Is he actually swims to Jesus. He, he, he wants Jesus. He runs to him. So we're going to compare and contrast these two, all with this idea that I think what, this, what these two instances teach us is that we approach God with freedom and confidence because of Jesus. Now, we're going to look at the first one. The main point, I believe, of the first one, when we look at this from Luke chapter 5, is we see this God whom we approach. Now, when I say the sentence, because of Jesus, I approach God with freedom and confidence, I realize that our mind always just goes to the freedom and confidence part. Sometimes we skip over and glance over what is actually meant by the God part. Who is this God that we approach? Well, here's what happens in Luke chapter 5 when the story happens for the very first time. Jesus is teaching. There's so many people crowding around Jesus that he says, you know, I need to get into this boat uh, so that I, I actually can be heard. And it happened to be one of Simon Peter's boats. He goes out, he, he, he distances himself from the shore a little bit, and he starts teaching, and he comes in, and he, and he tells Simon Peter, hey, by the way, I know you've been fishing all night, but here's what you need to do. You need to, like, just cast your net on the other side of the boat. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 5. Now, Simon then answered him, and there's a lot packed into these verses, so don't, like, zone out when we read the scripture. Okay. Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Here's what he is essentially saying here is, Jesus, look, I've been doing this fishing thing a long time. I know what I'm doing. I've put the work in. I've worked hard. And guess what? All that has equaled no success, no fish. And then he says these words, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. What he is saying is, okay, Jesus, what you're telling me makes absolutely no sense. But because it's coming from you, I'm going to have this simple act of obedience that I'm going to do it. So when they had done so, when they, talking about Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Then they signaled their partners in from the other boats, that's James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to come and to help them. And they came, and both boats were so full that they began to sink. That's how many fish there were. And we see Peter's response then at Jesus. When Peter saw this miracle, he, he fell at Jesus' knees and he says, he said to Jesus, go away from me, get away from me, Jesus, because I am a sinful man. He just encountered the greatness of Jesus. Jesus had given him a word, he simply obeyed, and he encounters the greatness of Jesus. And his response is, look, you are, you are far greater, far better than anything I've encountered. And look who I am. I'm nothing. I can't even stand in your presence. This reaction to Jesus is, is very consistent with what we see actually throughout Scripture. You go all the way back to the second book in your Bible, to Exodus chapter 3, you will see Moses encountering God. 
through a burning bush. Moses, again, just minding his own business. He sees a bush, stumbles upon a bush that's burning, but it's not burning up, and he encounters the voice of God through through this bush. And God tells him, Moses, Moses, the place that you are standing is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Don't you realize who you're standing in front of? And fast forward throughout your scripture and go to Isaiah chapter 6, and you will see that Isaiah has this encounter with God himself where he has this, this vision and he sees this great, uh, great scene before the throne room of God. And the, there's angels there, and the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's really their way of saying, look, this God that we are singing to and that we are praising is far beyond us, that he is set apart, that he is totally different. He is worthy of praise. And Isaiah, upon encountering this, and he, he, his reaction is, woe to me. Woe to me, because I am a per- I, I'm, I'm a person of unclean lips, and I'm from a people of unclean lips. And Peter says this, Right here, he says, look, Jesus, depart from me. And I, I see this in my own life. After, after this series that we're done with, uh, because of Jesus, I, you're, you, you may be thinking if you've been with, especially if you've been with us for this whole year, you say, okay, we're at the end of the book of John. What is coming next? Well, we're going back to the beginning of John because we didn't cover that portion. We led up to Easter. The first series we're doing from the first part of John is going to focus on the stories of people meeting Jesus. And right along as we're seeing their stories from Scripture, a different South winner is going to share their story each and every week here. And we're calling the series, uh, I've Got a Story for You. Through this series, what we're going to do, and I'm going to challenge you, and this is like a sneak peek, so you have to pretend in like two weeks you hear this for the first time. is I'm going to challenge you, encourage you to share your story. And me, knowing that, that was, that's coming up, I decided to write out my story, and, and I'm still in the process. When we write out our stories, oftentimes if we meet Jesus, it usually has three different parts to it. It, it has this part before Jesus, I was this, and then I met Jesus, and this is how I met and encountered him. And then after Jesus, here's what I'm like. And though I'm not perfect, here's what's different in my life. And I'm telling my, and you may, you may think, okay, well, you know, you like get up and talk for a living and talk about Jesus all the time, and this should be easy for you. And, but what I'm doing is I'm actually telling my story a little bit differently than I've ever told it. And this past week, reflecting on those times before I met Jesus, and some of the actions, and in particular, some of the attitudes and behaviors that were inside of me when I'm writing these out, like describing them. I mean, honestly, it is, it is gut-wrenching. It's, it's hard, because it's ugly. And even I have this moment where I'm like, Jesus, depart from me. I, I am, I am sent. How can you come? To, how, how, why, me? Why?
And I think it's so, so important that every, that every person who follows Jesus has an encounter like that, even though it, it, is, it is hard, even though you come before and you say, well, Jesus, I'm encountering you. I'm encountering your greatness. Depart from me because I am sinful. Because here's the deal. If you do not have an experience like that, there are going to be several like negative dominoes that are going to probably fall in your life. That, that this, here, this part of the story is, and Peter's part of the story, and the reason it's consistent in Scripture is because it is important that we see Jesus as king as something who's so much greater than us. Uh, it, it matters for several different reasons. So for one, one reason that it matters is because if you, don't have, if you don't have that, here's what's going to happen. Your experience with God, it, it, it's like you're going to reverse your role and God's role. What you're going to view your life as, look, well, you're going to say, well, you know, I got, my, I got my work over here, I got my family over here, I got my leisure over here, I got my money over here, I got my house over here, and then I have God over here, and you view God as one, part, one little part of your story, and then when something goes wrong with some one of these other parts of your story, you're going to say, God, why didn't you come through? You're, you're just a little part of, my, you're a part of my story, but why didn't you come through and do this other thing over here? But when you really have this encounter with Jesus, when you fall before him and you see his greatness, you realize that you are nothing, that's when you get the order right. You don't reverse the order. You, you don't see God as one part of your life. You see yourself as part of his story. You see he's not the little one and you're not the big one. You're the little one. He's the big one. And that's so, that's so important. If we, don't have, if we don't have this, this moment where we say, Jesus, look, I am nothing in comparison to you, we're going to lose our reverence. We're going to lose our worship. And here's what's going to, honestly, here's what's going to happen with our worship. Our worship is going to be flat. We're going to come in and say, well, you know what? I don't like this song. Or you know what? This didn't do right. And you're going to, you're going to complain and it's going to be about all these other things and then you're going to deprioritize look i got all this other stuff going on in my life i can't all of these other things are going to go into your head but when you realize the greatness of jesus you fall before him you realize that he is the one who matters and what you're doing is he is you're you're worshiping him it is about him it's not about your preferences And the other thing that's going to happen, too, is when you encounter him, you're going to be more humble. When you encounter him like this, you are going to be more humble. It means you're going to be willing to go and share his love with other people. You see, when Moses had his encounter with God, when he said, you're standing on holy ground, God followed that next with, hey, Moses, what I've seen the misery of my people Israel. I've seen the oppression. Go and free them. You go to them. When he said to Isaiah, he says, yes, you've encountered me. Now I want you to go. And then he says to Peter, actually, in this story that we see in Luke chapter 5, right after Peter says, depart from me, Jesus says, oh, contraire, no, here's what needs to happen. You need to go. For all his companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish, and so were James and Zebedee and the, uh, Simon's partners. 
Then Jesus said to Simon, hey, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, here's what you're going to do. You are going to go out and fish for people. You're going to go share my love. You're going to go make disciples. So what they did, they pulled uh, their boats up on the shore. They, they left everything, and they just followed Jesus right here in that moment. Jesus was king to them right here in the moment. They said, I've, got, I've just got to simply, I've got to simply obey. Now, that is such an important experience here. The question is, how did we get from this experience where Jesus does this one miracle right here and Peter's reaction is, though Jesus depart from me, I am sinful, to Jesus doing basically the same miracle and Peter's reaction is like, no, I'm going to go swim to you right now. I'm going to jump in the water. I'm like going to run to you, run, swim to you. I'm going to go do that right now. What changed in between these two? What, what's the, why the different reaction? Was it, be, was it because Peter was so much more worthy himself? Well, the answer is no. If you know anything about Peter, you know that like Peter continually got it wrong time and time and time again. I mean, there was that time where Jesus says, here's my plan to die. And Peter said, no, that's not a good plan. And then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Like, can you imagine Jesus calling you Satan? And then Peter says, oh, hey, Jesus, you know, I, I, even if everyone falls away, I never will. And Jesus says, well, actually, tonight, Peter, you're going to do this three times. You're going to fall away. Deny me. It's not like Peter was so much better. So how did, why did his reaction change? Why could he now approach this God, this great God, why could he have now approached him with freedom and confidence? Well, in a word, the answer is that he encountered grace. He encountered grace. Yeah, he saw the greatness of Jesus. But then he spent three years with him and, and saw Jesus continually, consistently spend time with, with people who are hurting and broken and lost. Jesus, the one who said, I've come for the sick, not for the healthy. I've come to save, sick, save those who were, who were lost. Time and time and time again, Jesus does this. And Peter, even though he encountered the greatness of Jesus, now has encountered the goodness of Jesus. He had been comforted by the love of Jesus. He had received encouragement from his love. So much so that Peter, that his reaction, his reaction, when he actually, his, when he wrote out a letter to, to people who were following Jesus, who were scattered by persecution, they had received punishment just from following Jesus, Peter erupts in the praise of God. You see, right after Peter, he writes this letter and he introduces himself. But his next words indicate really what had changed in his heart and his life, why he now ran to Jesus. And it was because of this. He starts off his whole letter, both of these letters that you can actually read in Scripture, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in his great mercy he has given us a new birth. And what he is saying here is, yes, I am a sinful man. And normally, normally because of my sinfulness, I couldn't approach a God who is so great. He says, but because of his mercy, what he's done is he's actually given me, he's actually given me a new birth, that I'm a brand new person. And this is into a living hope. This, this hope is not dead. It's not, it's not expired. It's not something 
that we have to conjure up all the time. He says, no, this hope is actually alive, and it comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this hope is not only for right now, but also it is into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance, he says, he says, here's how great this grace is. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith you're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter says, look, I've encountered, I've encountered the grace of God. And that's why I can come to him. And that's why, to me, this whole scripture here reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures, approaching God with freedom and confidence. And you may say, well, well, you know what, I can't, I can't come to God. I got all this junk in my life. I got this. And you sort of like start listing things. And maybe that's why just in the very next chapter, Peter includes these, these words. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if it, you're focused on you, you are like sheep who are going astray. But the reason you can come to him with freedom and confidence is because we're not, we're not basing this on the sheep who are going astray. We're basing it on the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. It's not just because of, it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus you can approach God with freedom and confidence. And I believe both of these experiences are so, so important, where we experience the greatness and the power of, of God, and we experience his grace and his goodness. Now, I do have people who will tell me, they will say, Tanner, why do you talk about, like, why do you talk about sin? There's already enough shame in the world People already feel bad enough about themselves. And this whole, like, this whole, like, this whole part, depart from me, I am, I'm sinful, I, I don't measure. Why do you talk about that? And I'll tell you why this is important. It is not, we don't talk about sin, and, and Jesus doesn't talk about sin, to add to your shame. The story, there are stories in Scripture about you coming, you coming to him, or Peter coming to him and saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful person, those aren't in there to add to your shame. Those are in there because what, what, here's the deal, is you are standing for a God, before a God, who is so much bigger than your shame, so much bigger than your junk, so much bigger than the stuff that you bring to him. And when we look before him, we've got to have a God who is bigger than all of that stuff. When we encounter Jesus, we encounter someone who is greater than that, greater than what we can bring, all of our stuff to the table. You see, Peter encountered a God in this, this, first, this first instance, where in this first part of the story, he encountered a God who has the power to conquer his shame. And then you come to the very end, and he encounters this God who has not only the power to conquer his shame, but the desire to do so, the love to do so, the mercy to do so, and the grace to do so. You see, you and I can approach this great God with freedom and confidence. We do so because of his greatness, and we do so because of his goodness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love and for your grace.
And I pray that whatever we are bringing into this place, that we can bring this straight to you. And God, I know that there's so much pain, there is so much shame, there's, there's so much uncertainty, there's so much confusion. Uh, but we, we praise you that we can approach you with freedom and confidence. And we, we praise you because that is from the person of Jesus. So we love you and we thank you for this ability to do so. And God, I pray that you help us do so. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.